Morning, everyone. My name's... Thank you. Thank you. Morning. Yeah, my name's Sai. If you didn't get that, it's my privilege to share with you this Remembrance Day service where we commemorate the contribution that British and Commonwealth military and civilian servicemen and women made in the two world wars and in later conflicts as well. You know, in Romans chapter 13, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says that it's right for us to show respect to who respect is owed and honour to who honour is owed. Therefore, it's right that we show respect and honour to those who have served our nation in protecting it and remembering that the peace, the relative peace that we enjoy in this land, it comes at a cost. For some of those military uh, men and uh, women and their servicemen, it comes, it comes for their families at the cost of a loved one's life. And it's right for us to remember and honour that sacrifice given for our peace and our freedom. As citizens and residents of this country, whether it's a temporary resident or, or a permanent resident, it's good to take time to show our respect because we may not be here or certainly may not want to be here if it wasn't for them. I don't know if any of you have been in a war situation before. I hope most of you haven't. It's not very nice at all. One of the times that I was in South Sudan, uh, in a town there, we were under attack from a, a rebel army. And uh, there was a massive military presence within the town, and the sense of fear in that town was palpable. You could just sense it and see it on people's faces. You know when you're nervous about something and your stomach sort of tightens up? Imagine that to the nth degree that your, your, tummy, your stomach tightens up. That's something of what it's like. You don't feel like eating anything, and anything you do eat doesn't stay in you very long at all. When the, the sound of uh, gunfighting happened and there was shooting and that sort of thing, just your heart sank. Uh, it was really difficult. In the daytime, you longed for the perceived safety of your bed. And when you're on your bed at nighttime, you longed for the perceived safety of the light. The sheer relief that I felt when a few days later I was able to, to fly out of that situation when peace and uh, things had calmed down, thankfully. That just real sense of appreciation of life uh, because I was leaving a hostile environment. And for our military and civilian service men and women, they volunteer. They voluntarily go into those situations to bring about peace so that those situations don't happen on our soil in our country and in our neighborhood. While thankfully, it seems that most of our guys and girls come back from those situations, sadly for many of them who do come back, because of the things they've experienced and the struggles that they have been through, they, they, although they've come back to a place of peace, they often lack peace now within themselves. Some of you, even here, 
know to some extent, to a small extent maybe, or to maybe even a greater extent, those feelings I described to be true for you in some of the situations that you're in as well. Not as bad as that, but it's when you're around that person in your workplace or when you're around those people at school or sadly for some when you're around that person even in your very home there's that sense of that lack of peace there's that sense of oh no there's somebody here whose motives are hostile or even harmful towards you there's a disease you feel that's a dis-ease that you feel when you're around them. You're aware of your own vulnerability. There's a lack of peace in your life. For some of you this morning, because of things that have been done to you, or maybe because of things that you yourself have done that you're now ashamed of, there's a lack of peace in your life. For some of you, just because we live in a fallen world where things aren't right, there's a chemical imbalance in your brain that causes a lack of peace within yourself. Well, I have good news for all of us today because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Prince of Peace offers you peace this morning. And as Rob reminded us last week, when we think about peace in biblical terms, it's much more than just the absence of conflict. Now, no, Andy Farmer, in his book, Real Peace, describes the biblical meaning of peace as this. It says it includes, he says it includes, inner calm and outer tranquility. He goes on to say, the range of meaning includes order, security, relational harmony, well-being, wholeness, and a sense of flourishing. That is what the Prince of Peace has on offer for you this morning. Inner calm and outer tranquility, order, security, relational harmony, well-being, wholeness, and a sense of flourishing. That is what Jesus has to offer us. And of course, the obvious response to, to that, not just from a skeptic, but from anyone who's over the age of three, who has some understanding of the world that uh, around us, would be, and often is, well, if that's true, what about all the dreadful things we see going on? in the world around us? What about all the trouble that we, we know? What about not just some difficulties out there, what about the difficulties in my own life, the trouble that I see in my life and those that I love and, and around those that I love and the trouble that I experience in myself 
as well. Those family feuds, those marital breakdowns, that fighting, cheating, deliberately hurting of somebody else. And in some situations, sadly, deliberately hurting of oneself as well. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, is he really doing a good job? It's a, it's a valid question that, that people ask. One of the famous quotes that we read most Christmas times is from Isaiah chapter 9. And it's where we get the title of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. It says this in verse 6 about Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. It's the zeal of the Lord of hosts who will do this. Now that famous passage we often read at Christmas time. And again, one could be excused for thinking, that's a wonderful concept, that's a great thought, but it's not the reality we see on the ground, is it? You see, indeed, the Jews in Jesus' day, they were expecting, they took that passage to mean that when the Messiah came, when the Christ came, that he would rule over a worldwide kingdom like King David, where he would defeat his enemies, he would establish peace, and he would enforce justice on those who, didn't, who committed crimes and atrocities. Which is why Jesus himself caused no end of confusion when he came on the scene. And he didn't try to raise up an army and defeat the Romans, who were the obvious baddies. Surely they should be punished, shouldn't they? Yet Jesus, he taught us to love our enemies. To pray for those who persecute you, to turn the other cheek when you're attacked for him, rather than this sort of blazing trail of military success, Jesus told his followers to pick up their cross, a symbol of execution, a symbol of death, and to follow him. He said that those who try to keep their life will lose it. But those who voluntarily gave their lives up to follow him would keep it. How did Jesus expect to establish peace on earth like that. And that's what people were thinking. How on earth is peace 
on earth going to be established like that? You know, um, the famous Emperor Nero, the reason why he was made an enemy of the state by the, by the Roman uh, senator was because when a, a, an invading army was coming, one of his generals that had rebelled against him, he was going to send an army of actors to go and perform before them. And the, the, Romans just, the Roman senators have thought, this is going to be a, a bloodbath. <laughs> we, better, we, better, we better stop this. How did Jesus, on those terms, expect to establish peace? And just, just in case people might think his plan was going to work and his plan had some solid credentials to it, Jesus, in the Jewish mindset, put the final nail in the coffin of confusion when he talked about dying himself for other people. He was going to give his life for us. I mean, what good is a dead Messiah? A killed leader surely is a defeated leader. So worldly wisdom would tell us. But thanks be to God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25, tells us this. That the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For rather than a, a tragic accident or a peaceful revolution gone wrong, and they murdered Jesus at the end of it, Jesus' mission was to bring peace, and ultimately to bring peace on earth, total peace. But his ministry was to reveal a truth to us, that actually there is a much bigger problem than the problems that we see out there. There's a problem that lurks within each one of us, that we are powerless, we're unable to change ourselves. And that is the problem, the Bible says, of our sin. The things that we have done, the things that we have said, the things that we have thought that are wrong, the things that offend God, more than just separating us from God, uh, uh, um, they actually offend God's character. Some of the stuff that we have done, some of the stuff that we've said is even worse, and some of the stuff that we've thought, you and I are glad that some of our thoughts, other people don't know what we're thinking, but God knows. God sees it all. He knows that some of our thoughts aren't nice, and actually they lead to hurting other people, people that he loves. They, our sin, the things that we do that offend God, is an expression of our rebellion against our Creator. You see, according to Jesus, the problem out there, and even some of the internal problems we face within ourselves, all stem from this greater problem, which is the problem of a broken relationship between us and God because of our sin. Something that we are powerless to change because we're born into this situation. Every one of us, we're not born neutral, we're born in sin. 
the Bible says. And we have no hope of righting this situation. Many people aren't even aware of the problem. They have no consciousness of God because that's how we've been born into that situation. Although it does express itself in people's lives as a sense of surely there's more to life than this. Some, there's a, a dull ache in the heart of men. Sometimes it's quite a, a noisy ache of surely I'm just more than the sum total of my parts. Uh, surely I'm just more than flesh and, and blood. This lack of peace with God is what leads to a lack of internal peace. It's also what leads to external conflict as well between us and other people and then ultimately between nations as well. Which you see, the Bible is clear. If God was to deal with his enemies as the Jews had expected at that time, as the world might expect should happen, if God's real, why hasn't he established peace out there? Well, if God was to deal with his enemies and renew everything and make everything perfect in one go, then, my friends, there would be no human beings in that perfect environment. Because all of us, every one of us, comes under that bracket of being one of God's enemies, coming under his judgment. But the wonderful news is, because God loves you, and because he loves me, God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world as the world deserves, but that the world might be saved through him. It's John 3, verse 17. As a judge, as judge of the world, God cannot just let wicked actions go unpunished. Indeed, we as people, we cry out for justice when we realize an injustice has taken place. Oh, surely there should be justice in this situation. As a nation, we have fought for justice. How much more wrong would it be for the judge of the whole world to turn a blind eye to injustice? No, he has to punish wrongdoing. And remember, my friends, it's no small thing that we ignore the God who created us. It's no small thing that we go against his created order and that we offend his character. Because all sin, all the things that the Bible says are wrong, whilst yes, they do affect other people badly, actually, primarily, it's against God that, we, that, we, uh, that those things are done. But that is why, in love, God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. As the Apostle Paul writes, and Chris mentioned it earlier this morning, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Romans 5 tells us. Jesus, the only one who lived 
a perfect life before God. He fully pleased his Father in heaven. He was the only one that God could look down on and say, this is my son. With him, I'm well pleased. He never did anything wrong. And yet he chose to die on a cross to take on himself all the things that you and I have done that are wrong. All the things that we've said that are wrong. All the things that we have thought that are wrong. He took them on himself so that we are free to know God. You see, our sins, they separated us from God like this like this book here, there's no, there's no way that we can get through to him. But Jesus, who never sinned, willingly took them off us on himself so that we are now free to know God and enjoy him forever. But more than that, the Bible tells us, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you believe in him and trust him, knowing that he died for you and rose again for you, your life, the Bible says, is now hid in Christ. What that means is that when God looks at you, he no longer sees your life or, or my life with all its mistakes and failures and that sort of thing. My life's been hid within Christ. He sees his son. He sees the one that he loves. He sees the one that he is well pleased with. And that's what he will see in you when you put your faith in him. Through faith in Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we can know true peace, peace with God for the first time and for all time. And once that peace between you and God has been sorted, once that's been established, the Prince of Peace then begins to work his peace in you and through your life into the lives of those around you. And that can happen for you this morning. Are you here this morning and you're struggling with the thought of death? Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. If you're lost in grief, and sadness. Jesus, he's the wonderful counselor. Do you lack peace within yourself? Jesus says he will lead you by streams of still water. He will restore your soul. Do you feel like you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders this morning? You're, you're, you're burdened with many worries. Jesus says to, to you, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you troubled by what you see going on in the world around you, or maybe just what you see going on in the fa your family around you? Are you troubled by these things? Jesus says to you, I have said these things that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, great trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, far from denying 
trouble and that you will face trouble in life, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that you will face trouble. But our peace and true peace is not found in the absence of trouble, but in the person of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Whilst we honor and respect those who risk and even gave their life to protect the relative peace that we have here in this country, and it's right that we do that, true and lasting peace will only be achieved once the gospel of peace has gone out to all the nations so everybody has had the opportunity to sort out their relationship with God, to get that peace between them and God. They've had the opportunity to do that. And then Jesus says, the end will come because he will return and then he will truly establish peace on earth. Are you ready for that day? my friends. Or if you die before that day, are you ready to meet your maker? Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is clear, and he would say this to you. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That is what the Prince of Peace offers you here today. You see, my friends, peace in this age is not found in the absence of conflict, but in the presence of God. And Jesus can bring you into the very presence of God. Before I close this meeting, can I just... Uh, invite you to stand. It's now just coming up to 11 o'clock. And in a moment, we're going to take two minutes silence to remember and show our respect to those who have served our nation and our allies around the world, and uh, particularly those who gave their lives. And let's spend some time praying for them and their family. But also, just yourself be reflecting where on where are you with this peace with God. Let's take two minutes silence. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for all those brave men and women who have risked their lives, Lord God, and some even given their lives, Lord, in the pursuit of peace for our nation, and our allies, Lord God. Lord, we pray that you would be close to those men and women, that they would know you, and that they would come to know the true peace that you have to offer them. We pray for their families, and particularly the families of, of loved ones who were lost, Lord God, who gave their life. We pray, would you be close to them at this time, Lord God? Would they know your peace, that can pass understanding. Lord Jesus, be with them. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you gave your life for us, Lord, that we could know true peace, Lord God, and we could have the hope of a future where there will be no more war, there will be no more fighting, there will be no more 
grief, no more sadness, no more tears, Lord, because you will return and make all things right and all things new. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And whilst we're still in this place of prayer, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you haven't got that peace between you and God here this morning and you want it and you want to know that peace that I spoke about in yourself, in your own life, and you want that future hope of going to an eternity where God restores all things and makes all things new, then can I encourage you, just while all heads are bowed, to just pray this prayer along with me. It's a prayer of surrender to God. It's a prayer of thanks to Him. It's a prayer of giving your life over to Him. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to come to earth and die for me on the cross. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done that are wrong, that offend you. I ask that you would help me by your Holy Spirit to live the rest of my life for you. Lord, please Give me your Holy Spirit so I can know that peace that passes understanding in my own life and I can become the peacemaker that you want me to become. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen.